Father, um, we draw to you now to, to hear from you, to uh, see your word, Father, as you continue to take us on this adventure, uh, this glorious time of renewing of our minds, uh, Father, of stirring our minds, Father, of teaching us and showing us amazing things. Father, um, as we prepare to enter into this book, a book written to the Levites, uh, Father, there's a tendency to ask what is the relevance of this text. And yet, Father, if it was irrelevant, you would not have placed it in your holy scriptures. Father, let us hold to that. Let us drink deep of what is given here and let us hold it. Embrace it as you, but yet again, showing your overwhelming love for people. In Christ's name, amen. I was talking to somebody, I think it was today, maybe it was yesterday, and uh, they asked me what I was teaching on, and I told them, and uh, I told them I was going to start Leviticus tonight, and uh, there was a momentary pause of quieting, and they said, well, that's just something you just don't hear every day, and I said, uh, what's that? That says that anybody is preaching on Leviticus, uh, and he says, it's just not a book that people jump up and embrace and say, um, wow, let's hear what Leviticus has to say. Um, there's a number of reasons for it. But I think that the greatest reason uh, probably lies in chapter 17 through 27. And the reason that it is not preached is because of that text. And that is uh, the mandates for holiness. Um, if you look at your outline, I've got it broken into uh, four sections, the whole book into four sections. But I want to try to give you a heads up on what, what we're looking at. Um, the title that you have in front of you, Leviticus, actually comes from the uh, Latin Vulgate, uh, which is the Greek Old Testament, uh, the Greek translation of the Old Testament from the Septuagint. And it's Leviton is the term that is used. And it literally means the matters of the Levites or the pertaining to the Levites. Uh, and we see it emphasized in chapter 25, verses 32 through 37. Okay, and so when we read this, it's, it's like uh, I've heard people say, well, I don't preach Hebrews. And I said, uh, why not? And they said, well, because that was written to Jewish people. And I don't have any Jews in my church. Um, I have heard people use First uh, and Second Timothy and Titus, and they said, uh, I don't preach that to my congregation because those are pastoral letters. They're dealing with church government and the pastoral ministry. And, and I sat there and I said, well, why do we have them in the Bible? I mean, we, you have this in here. He gave it to you for what? I mean, you know, uh, 
I, I really struggle with that at times uh, because uh, it's in there for a reason. I mean, you know, and I'm, I'll be honest. Hey, listen, you don't think Leviticus ain't tough? I've read it. I just, you just read it and go, whoa, there you have it. <laughs> I had to teach you to sit out in the desert at the bottom of a mountain. Um, but it, it the, the book addresses uh, issues of the Levites' responsibilities. I agree. I agree. Well, but we're under the new covenant and we're, we don't even have Levites and, and, you know, I'm, you know, we're, we don't have that thing going on, really. Let me ask you a question. Is God changing? No, He ain't changing. So why did He give us this book? I'll tell you why he gave us this book. It's based on 1 Peter. It's the basis for 1 Peter. 1 Peter says you are a royal priesthood. How does priesthood act? Leviticus. Okay. You know, they say, well, uh, Titus and them, those are pastoral epistles. You know, it's amazing. I've read those letters and nowhere in there does it say these are letters to pastors. But you know what? They all have one thing in common, whether it's the pastoral epistles or whether it's the uh, um, Leviticus. There's always something in there that confronts man and his lack of holiness. And when you do that, people don't have as much fun. Okay? Much more in this book, how the priest are to assist the people in worship and inform the people how to live holy lives. Bummer. The New Testament quotes Leviticus more than 15 times. And then yet I listen to things, I listen to the uh, intelligent people. And they said, well, you know, do you understand that the first five books of the Bible, we cannot really be sure who wrote them? Really? Have you read them? Well, but of course. Verse 1, the Lord called to Moses. <laughs> hmm. That's an interesting thought. He didn't call to Aaron. He didn't call to Joshua. He didn't call to the Levites. He didn't call to Judah. He called. Well, but see, that's that's just speculation. All right, in chapter 7, verse 38. And the Lord commanded Moses, chapter 25, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, chapter 26, verse 46. These are the statutes and the ordinances and the laws which the Lord established between himself, the sons of Israel, through Moses. Hmm. 
chapter 27, verse 34. These are the commandments which the Yahweh Lord commanded Moses. Actually, if you go through it, I can show you 56 times when it says that God is speaking directly to Moses in the letter that we have called Leviticus. I'm thinking Moses wrote it. What do you think? And I don't think you have to be a deep theologian to say, wonder who wrote this? Well, if God is speaking to Moses, who do you suppose is writing it down? Okay. So that's, that's simple. Now, I want to try to help you with this a little bit because this, this has helped me. Perhaps you guys have this all figured out. So, so act like you're surprised at this information, okay, so that I don't feel like a big dummy, all right? But I try to figure out how is this all going along in the history of Israel and the history of God revealing himself. Understand this. The Exodus occurred... Uh, 1445 BC. Okay. The tabernacle was finished a year after the Exodus. So 1444. It's BC, it goes backwards, AC. Okay, anyway. Everybody's going, I thought it was 46. No, it's 1444. Okay, a year later, that's Exodus chapter 40, verse 17. Okay, so a year later, after the Exodus, they now have the tabernacle. Now, you need to understand something. Leviticus was probably written as soon as the tabernacle was finished. All right, so you can pick up Leviticus at that point. So you're probably looking at the first month of the second year. Okay. Cause he's told us when the Exodus is going to appear. Remember he's got the little the Passover. Do you remember the Passover? He told us what month it was. He told us what day it was. Okay. So we know when that happened. So we can look and say the first month is probably that first month after the year of the Exodus, Leviticus was written. And then, you know what's really cool? The second month we were given numbers. Given numbers. All right, now remember what's going on. You need to understand something about Leviticus. Leviticus has no movement in it. The children of Israel are not wandering. They're camping at the foot of Mount Sinai. And, 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 and this is crucial because I think sometimes you and I miss this. Oh, I, I, there's so much in this. All right, because here's what happens. Here's how God happens. All right, God is giving his presence to Israel. Here I am. Who am I? What am I about? What do I expect? How do I do what I do? It's all laid out. And then he has drawn them to something that they have never, ever, ever experienced. I mean, let's be realistic. If you've got the presence of God, whoa. Okay. But now they have a central place for worship. You need to understand something. Please grab a hold of this. This never existed before. This has never happened. It never happened. This is 
New revelation. God is showing this people, a redeemed people, amazing things. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. When you came to salvation, did you understand what it meant to be in the presence of the Lord? No. When you came to salvation, did you understand what it meant to have a central place of worship? No. Then did you understand what sacrifices and worshiping were? And yet, did you understand the pastor? Or if you wanted to reflect back to Leviticus, the high priest. And the format that was necessary for this person to be in that position. So when I think about it, back up, you just write this down. You can back up and look at it later. In Exodus 19, 6, Leviticus is God's instructions for this newly redeemed people. And he's teaching them how to worship him and how to obey him. Now, let's be realistic. Did you know how to do that from the get-go? Did you know how to worship him? Did you know what it meant? Listen, you have a sacrificial life. Did you understand that? I am a living sacrifice. You know, I was thinking about that. Uh, we, we, we seen a sermon last Sunday night on doulos. On doulos. What does it mean to be a doulos? And it's always translated in the scriptures as servant or bond servant or something like that. But if you really look at it in its totality, doulos is never translated servant. It's always translated slave. But people don't like that term. Okay, because see, a servant can go get his own job. You know, I don't like this. I'm serving here and I don't like this. I'll go someplace else and get a job. Okay, with another boss. Slave doesn't get that. Okay? And the text that really hits you right between the eyes is when Jesus makes a statement that says, Well done, true and faithful doulos. He doesn't say servant. He says slave. That's when you read kurios, the opposite side of kurios has to be doulos. Kurios is Lord. It's not employer. It is Lord. And anyone associated to the Lord is a slave. Do we understand that? See, Israel didn't understand that. Let's see it today. How much distortion is there? Listen, how much of your philosophy of life have you carried into your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Israel has just spent four centuries as what? Slaves in a pagan society, a polytheistic society, has multiple gods, has multiple ways to worship multiple gods, don't they? And there has multiple ways to identify whether God's truly there or not how do you do that well you you know god's truly there if you've got gold or silver or you do this or you got this today i see it today i see it alive and well in the church today i see people who bring their philosophies they bring their societal embracings they bring the things that they are used to into the church 
And sometimes they just get beat ragged for hanging on to them. Israel's whole concept of worship, Israel's whole concept of a godly life were distorted severely. Okay, look in the church today. When you look at today, uh, you'll, you'll hear this phrase. We're looking for a worship leader. Okay, what are you looking for? If you're looking for a worship leader, what are you looking for? 11 out of 10 times, it'll be somebody to lead music. Well, why don't you look for somebody to lead music? Because the person who has the word of God is the worship leader. Why? That's what Leviticus is for. Leviticus says God has set parameters. Leviticus says God has ways that he accepts, but it also says he has ways that he rejects. Israel, as many in the church, Israel in the time of Leviticus, and as many in the church today, um, were distorted in what worship was and what worship is. Uh, That was obvious by Israel. I mean, they made a golden calf. Um, I don't think we run around, and and I'm not going to ask everybody to start handing in your earrings and rings and gold teeth and stuff like that so we can make a calf. But I have watched the church do some bizarre stuff so they could build a building that probably costs more than a golden calf. And and there's nothing wrong with the building. But God started with a tent. You know, one of the things that's a blessing in, in the lands of Russia is that they take houses and they turn them into houses of prayer. And all they do is usually knock out a wall or two so they have a big area so that everybody can come together. And that is what they call church. Listen, God did not permit them to worship as the Egyptians nor to tolerate the Egyptians' ideas of morality or immorality or sin. And, 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 and I, 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 we, we struggle with this at times. Because you and I bring in, and maybe it's our upbringing. I was working on a house just this week, and, and the guy came, came, comes, he's a trip. Anyway, um, he comes to me and he says, they tell me that you're a Baptist preacher. I said, well, I baptize and I preach. But I'm not sure what Baptist, well, you know, my uncle was, is a big muckety-muck in Oklahoma. Uh, with the National Missions Board and all the rest of it. And he says, buddy, he'll beat a pulpit to death. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, you know, good Baptists, they bang on the pulpit when they're preaching. Great. I said, uh, I've hit my pulpit a time, but not as much as I would like to people. He goes, what? I said, you know, just, and, and he's, he, he doesn't, you know, he's, he's still trying to figure out what to do with me, which I think many are, but, but he, you have it in your mind that that's what you're supposed to do. Listen, I love passion and conviction in preaching. 
I, <laughs> it lights my fire. But to say, to say that, well, that means that they're this or that or the other is silly. All right. Is the man drawing you into a heart of worship? That's what the book of Leviticus is for. Because God has designed worship and God has instructed worship. And he brings us to there. And it's amazing because God says the Levites could lead Israel in this. First of all, they have to consecrate themselves. What does that mean? They have to be right before God. And then they can bring other. You know, um, the book contains a lot of, of law. Okay, commandments, whatever you want to call it. Um, When I hear the word law, how many times when you hear the law of the Lord, you immediately think, "Uh oh, right? The law of the Lord in our society today is, is a bad word because that makes you a legalist. But that's what it gives it. And when I look at it, it's commands. And you know what's amazing about God's commands? There's one thing that flows through every one of God's commands. They're non-negotiable. Nowhere do you find him asking, what do you think about this? Is this a good idea? Okay. And you know what? Very seldom does he even explain to us why he gave that command. All right. Uh, There's a command that I always thought was funny. Can't wear wool and cotton together. And I thought, that's odd. You can't wear wool and cotton together. Hmm. What? I mean, um, I understand the characteristics of wool. Wool, you can take and soak it in, in a bucket overnight. Bring it out of the bucket, wring it out. It's soaking wet. Put it on, and it maintains 98% of its insulating abilities. Now, it smells like an old wet dog, but it's, but that's what wool does. And you just sit there and go, whoa. Okay, what does cotton do? It absorbs water, right? I mean, all of your towels and washcloths are made of lycra. No, cotton. Why? All right, now think about it. If I'm out in the desert... And I got a cotton t-shirt on with wool on top of it. What do I end up doing? Freezing or dehydrating? Or dehydrating and freezing? Because the wool will hold it in. And God says, you guys ain't smart enough to know this, so I'll just make it a law. Don't combine the two. I mean, and part of me looks at it and thinks, are we that stupid? And then I seen a sticker on a wheelbarrow that said, not for highway use. And I said, yep, we're that stupid. 
We are that stupid. Okay? So there's a, a lot of law that is before us. But it's fun because it's written in a historical format. It's written as God is revealing himself. It is written as God is showing himself in light of humanity. And yet it's written in his mercy. Listen, when I get to hear the word law, the law of the Lord, I watch people go, oh my God, we're going to get into legalism. Okay, no, law is to show the grace of God. How do you know you're a sinner if you don't have the law? See, the law of the Lord says, you know what? I need mercy and grace. How did you learn that? From the law. Okay. As I said, there is no geographical movement during the writing of Leviticus. Uh, the people uh, were, um, are still where God has come down. Uh, they're there for a month now. Uh, and then the second month, they're going to get the book of Numbers. Right, so they haven't moved anywhere. Um, they have spent a year building the tabernacle and all the implements and all the furniture that goes into the tabernacle. All right, but and, and there's a lot of stuff that you're going to see on the peripheries that I call it. There's a lot of stuff going on, and God is going to be doing a lot of stuff. He's he, they're going to be preparing to consecrate the people and consecrate the priesthood, consecrate the high priest, uh, and they're going to start beginning uh, offerings and 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 sacrifices uh, to show the sacredness. But when you look at all of that stuff. You know, whether it's a, a, a lamb offered in, in sacrifice, whether it's a grain offering, whether it's a drink offering, uh, whether it is the consecration of the priest for the work of ministry or whatever it is. There's a core idea that I want you to always hold on to when we're going through this book. And the idea is this book develops the holy character of God. And what I mean by developed, it's not that uh, now that we're out of Egypt, all of a sudden be holy, but it is to expose the people to the character of God. Okay. His holiness is, is so evident in the book of Leviticus because everything that you see here is how to deal with God. And, and, and in so many ways, the will of God for Israel's holiness will come out of this. But see, God can say, I want you to be holy. And then I'll ask you, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, I'll just get up early on Sundays. What does it mean? Well, I can tell you what it says in the New Testament. Be holy for I am holy. Okay, well, then there is the qualifier. What is holiness? So where do I go get that information? Well, a good place to get it is Leviticus. 
But there's times in Leviticus you'll scratch your head and think, huh, okay, why? I, I just had this discussion a little while ago about people wanting to be in charge. Okay, I, I like, um, you know, to be organized. You know, I got, I, I have a day planner and I, I just kind of keep track of, you know, where I'm supposed to be and how am I supposed to be there. And that's about the extent of me being organized. Organization is, but you know what? I've watched people who like to be organized drive themselves crazy because, because why? Because they're not in charge. You ever thought about that? I was discussing it with just this, this, this person just you know, a little while ago. Uh, well, actually, a little longer than a while ago. But anyway, we were discussing this as you know, uh, just struggles with not being able to control so many aspects. I said, well, have you ever read Job 38? And he said, well, no. And I said, you ought to read Job 38. And he said, why? I says, well, Job wanted to know what was going on too. And God's response was, were you there when I set the boundaries of the ocean? Were you there when I separated the lands and the seas? Were you there when I set the foundation that which the earth hangs on, the world hangs on? Were you there when the angels sang praises to me for creation? Were you there when I was seeking counsel? Do you have knowledge in such things? Were you there when death entered? Were you there when life began? And the answer is no. You know, I, you know, I, I watch this on a regular basis. Um, when a doctor says, you know, you've got X number of whatever's to live. And I haven't seen a doctor ever get it right. Even close. I mean, when they're laying there unconscious and <laughs> they're about to die. Well, I think they're about to die any time now. <laughs> yeah, but... You know, my grandfather, they said that he had, if he did, he went in and did a biopsy on his lung, they said it's cancerous. If we don't begin treatment immediately, you haven't got three months. He said, I ain't doing nothing. He never quit smoking. He never went back to the doctor. Okay? And he only lasted six years, which is close to three months. It's divisible. But you know what is amazing? God said, I knit you in your mother's womb and I know the exact second that you will end. But you see, people like to be in control. And yet he says, I know when the sparrow falls. I know the hairs of your head. And yet... My will for you is your holiness. And he says, do you not understand I have clothed you in Christ's righteousness? Well, what does that look like? Well, how many people, if someone was to come up to you and say, well, what does it mean to be holy? How many would say, go read Leviticus? I don't know anybody would say read Leviticus for any reason. Why? Because isn't that just like a legalistic book? 
the do's and the don'ts of the priesthood in Israel? Well, you could look at it that way. But I also see it in Leviticus as God never changes. And so I see God's holiness in Leviticus, and I see mankind's sinfulness. I see God's sacrifice and God's presence in the sanctuary. Okay, and then I want to just go through a little word study with you really quick because I want to show you something that is just amazing. Okay, go to chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 44. Says this, For I am the Lord, I am Yahweh, your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore. What does it say? Be holy, for I am holy. Look at verse 45. For I am the Lord. Thus you shall be holy. For I am holy. Go to chapter 19. Verse 2. You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Chapter 20, verse 7. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Verse 26. Thus you are to be holy to me, for I am the Lord, I the Lord am holy, and I have set you apart from the peoples to be mine. Okay, I, I'm seeing an emphasis. What do you think? They think, let me tell you something. There is an emphasis in Leviticus. 125 times you're going to run into that. Aren't you glad I didn't take care of one of them? <laughs> 125 times in this letter, you're going to see, I am holy Lord. You are to be holy. Okay, chapter 17 through chapter 27 deals with the holiness of God. What is it? And I mean, you know, I can give you the Hebrew term and the Greek term for holiness means set apart. Set apart from what? Well, it's easy. From the world, because you are mine. Do you understand what that phrase means? I am Lord, you are. Can he say that? That sounds racist. No, God said, God said, I am Lord, you are slave. But because you are my slave, because I am holy, you are We're afraid to say that, aren't we? You know what? You know, I was thinking about this just a little while ago. It says that in a house where the woman is saved and the husband is not, okay, the house is what? 
What is it? It says sanctified, but what is the real word? The house is set apart to the Lord. It doesn't say that everybody in the house is saved or everybody in the house is going to be saved. But it says that that place is under whose protection? The Lord. The Lord takes care of it. You know, I was thinking about that Union University where Olford Ministries is, is working, uh, had that class four tornado, F4 tornado go through. And there's not a building on the campus that was not hit. Not a building on the campus did not sustain damage. And you know what? There was not one scratch on a human being in that whole place. Not one scratch. And yet every building sustained damage. But they're set apart. Why? I am Lord. I am holy. I am Lord. I am holy. That's used over 100... Uh, 120 times. 50 times specifically. I am Lord. I am holy. And one of the things we have to pay attention to, I mean, it's an indictment of mankind. But Leviticus also says, here's how to purify. Here's how to purify. Why? Because there is a purification process because I want you to understand what? How it is to be mine. You are mine. You are my representatives. And this is how you shall look. That's I get into trouble. I'm going to preach on this tomorrow. So bring your big britches on and a seatbelt. Because I'm going to deal with the one topic that causes me more heartache, gets me into more trouble than anything I ever teach on or question or say. Are you saved? Okay, you know, I'll never forget R.C. Sproul said it. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that makes you a demon. Because the demons believe, and they're at least smart enough to be afraid. So just to say, I believe, does not make you say. Doesn't make you say. I mean, at best, you've just qualified to be a demon. That's pleasant. But it is obvious that there are some people, because in Corinthians it says, some will believe in vain. Some will believe in vain. And I'll deal with that more tomorrow. But why? Because is he holy? And we said here tonight, yeah. Yeah, he is. Well, I'll ask you a question. You guys got a week. Okay, you've got a week. And in the week, take Leviticus and go through and make you a little list of what does it mean to be holy. God says, I'm holy. Well, what does that mean? What does it look like? It's got to be visible or he wouldn't have given these commandments and statutes and a priesthood to draw people to it. So what does it mean to be holy? What does it mean to be set apart, consecrated unto the Lord? Leviticus, when I seen Leviticus coming, I thought I should drag out Exodus because I don't want to do Leviticus. Okay, and, and, and there was part of the reason is, is the same mentality that most people get. It's just the law of the Lord. That makes him holy. It should be something we know. And I, I mean, when I hear a pastor say, you're going to preach out of Leviticus? Why? 
It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this book. Father, thank you that you are holy. You are completely set apart from us. Your ways are not our ways. You seek not our counsel. And Father, I ask that we who gather here tonight, we would humbly seek your counsel to seek your holiness, to seek your ways, to seek your will, to be overwhelmed with your holiness. And Father, to drink deep of what you have laid before us and to bow before what you have given us to your glory and praise. In Christ's name, amen.